0: Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They're the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at The Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. That Luger and the Macho Man, Randy Savage, will indeed be meeting here at Halloween Havoc, and certainly that stimulates your interest in that Luger Ming match. One down,
1: one to go. And you know what? I beat the Zodiac here. Yeah. we had... Even a little audience participation, yeah. Because I'm wild, yeah.
0: And I'm gonna tell you something, Hulk Hogan. I heard what you said about me a few days ago, yeah. And
1: I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend, but if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Randy Savage, I oh you Your are...
1: mustache is crooked. Oh, bring it-
2: What's up everybody we are back and it's time for the end off the bench podcast I am Daniel Ball and I'm joined as always by my co-host my partner in crime my brother from another mother Jim Cross Jim Randy's got the week off he's on vacation but we're gonna keep this party going we got episode five coming at you tonight titled back where it all began because we got the dual sport athlete the baseball player the football player for your university of memphis tigers maurice hampton jr joining us man let's get right to it i'm ready to talk tiger baseball i'm ready to talk tiger football he's got a little lsu in him too jim so there's a little bit there for you as well so help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week our man maurice hampton jr
0: dude Mo is in the house what's going on man you doing good tonight?
1: I'm doing good I'm doing good how about yourself?
0: Man we're blessed you know we say that you know to just about every guest but we truly feel that way I was telling you before the episode I mean you hit home with both of us and you are from our home so uh we couldn't be more excited but before we get into your story we always break the ice come with some some weird questions just to just to kind of get a you know loose feel and Right out the gate, man. This is a new one. You're the first one to get this. If you had your own late night talk show, who are you inviting as your first guest?
1: My first guest on my late night talk show, I'm going with Martin Lawrence just because I would watch his TV show late at night if I was up. So,
0: okay. You watch the old school Martin? I heard that.
1: Yeah, I'll go with Martin. I think Martin would be a good co host.
0: That's what's up. All right. The next one, we're getting weird on this one. The zombie apocalypse is coming. You can pick three people that you want to help you stay alive. Who are these three people in your life, Mo, are you taking?
1: I'm taking my mom's for her brain. Uh, I'm taking my best friend, Devontae Nelson. Shout out to Devontae. Um, and then I'm bringing my brother with me. So my best friend, my mom, and my brother.
0: And, you know, if things don't go well, you're at least going out with the people you love the most. So it's all good.
1: I think we'll make it out though. This is a pretty good you,
0: group. You gonna make it out? I heard that. Yeah. All right, this next one's this is the fun one for everybody. If you had to do karaoke right now, with all your friends watching, family, whoever, what song you picking?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with "Get Paid" by Young Dolph. I know every I know every um, word to this song.
0: There you go. So even if the screen went out and you had no words, you can still keep going.
1: I can keep going. All I need is the beat. Rest in peace, Dolphins. All right.
0: With that, what would your rapper name be?
1: So, you know who Kodak Black is? Of course. So, I'll probably go to a, a twang, too, and go Modak.
0: Ooh. That's the best one yet, Daniel. That's solid.
2: That's a, That's a solid, I mean.
0: He's going to be tough to beat this a, season.
2: Look, Mo, we get these cats on here that are all up in this country music, and that's just not my thing. They're talking <laughs> about Morgan Wallen and a bunch of garbage like that. Like, man, thank you for for bringing for bringing Memphis back. Thank you. Yeah, so, sure. sure. well,
0: b- before he switched jobs, he was a he's a principal down in Tampa in Florida, and his Memphis roots never left him. He took me down to show show me the new speaker system in the gymnasium. <laughs> and anyway, first thing he had coming over the top was Project Pat. And I was like,
1: right, so he, can not take the
0: Memphis something.
1: out of him? He knows something, man. Right. All right.
0: So who was your childhood celebrity crush?
1: Megan Good. I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. Megan Good. You know, Megan uh, Good. She was my
0: childhood. She's my current. She's, yeah.
2: <laughs> how does, <laughs> Mo, how does that
1: conversation come up with your mom? <laughs> so um, actually, somebody asked me a similar question. they were like, "Who's your celebrity crush?" And I was like, I kind of hinted it in my ice. I was like, "Mom, tell them who it is." And then my mom was like, "Is it still Megan Good?" I was like, "Yeah, she's starting to hit that age where she might not be pretty soon."
0: Yeah, now waist deep, stomp the yard, all of them. Yeah, yeah, Megan Good had my attention too. But man, back in the day, Daniel, she was on. She was one of the like few girls I had on the the background of my MySpace page that's that's the throwback it's in your top eight top eight let's go but last question i got for you we'll get into your story man this is obviously an important one this is a sports podcast man who was your favorite athlete growing up bo jackson money but solid daniel this this is man nobody's gonna be able to top these icebreakers yeah you, you've
2: crushed this episode so far and knowing that we get to talk Memphis baseball, Memphis football. I'm I'm pretty excited to where this, this interview is going to go. But we got to start from the beginning, man. Take me back. Obviously, we talked a little bit about
1: where you're from, but tell the audience where you're from and, and where you grew up. So um, I'm born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, grew up in the surrounding areas of Memphis. Um, was pretty much everywhere in Memphis with my family. My grandma stays in um, East Memphis. My other grandparents stays in Bartlett. Um, I got cousins all over the place. So, man, anywhere there was something going on, I was there. That's where I was. Right. So you you mentioned all the family and all parts
2: at home. Who you, who you living with? You got mom. You got brothers. You got dad. You got sisters. Who?
1: What's yeah. The so I I grew up in the house with um my mom, my dad, both of them, and um, my sister who's seven years older than me, and my brother who's also seven years older than me. So I was the youngest at home. Um. My siblings left me in the nest for uh, by myself for a, a couple of years, so I kind of had the only child experience and the youngest child experience, kind of both of them. But yeah, it was five of us in the house.
2: What What is it like having siblings seven years apart? Is it Is there a closeness, or is it just a little bit too far to like really like you're you're playing with them as a kid growing up, or um? As you get older, like they're giving you life lessons and words of wisdom.
1: Yeah. So um, honestly, the younger we were, the closer we were. I think now, to the age I am now, I'm starting to see a difference of where we where we are in life. Like my sister just got married. Um, about to be a year coming up here in October. So, like, I'm not. I don't see myself being. Married. I'm still in college. So, like. Um, I, at the later part of my life, I'm starting to see like we're living different lifestyles. But when I was younger, we were close. We we're doing everything together. Like, um, especially me and my big brother. Like, I, he, him and his older teammates. I would always work out with them. That's where kind of where I developed. Um, on and off the field, like hanging out with the older guys. So, um, when I was a young kid, we were close. We did everything together. Watch TV, fought, ate dinner, went to the park. Like, taught me how to drive. So me and my siblings were super close. Nice.
2: So- it has some perks. You hop in the car, and would be like, Look, man, don't wreck, man. I can I can't get in <laughs> trouble, but I'm gonna let you behind the wheel for a minute. Exactly. So, you know, you mentioned like older siblings getting you you're <laughs> playing with people older than you, but at what age did you did you start playing sports? Obviously we know you, you were a football baseball guy, but you know, what age did you start playing sports and what sports did you play?
1: So I started playing sports when I was Four years old, I started off playing um, soccer on a church league soccer team. Um, my mom had to give me a something. So that was the first thing I was able to play, and that's what I did. I'm going to stop
0: there- you right there. I got a question for you, Mo. This is, this is a big topic that I see all the time discussing Twitter, and I actually agree with it. Uh, You know, I played soccer. I watched my daughter play soccer, and they say the best athletes from other sports, if they were to play soccer, would dominate. I actually agree with that. Do you think that?
1: Um, I, I'm pretty sure I, I kind of know that, it, especially at a younger age, like best athlete always shines, but I actually got kicked out of my youth soccer league. Like they, the, the next year I tried to come back and play and they told me I couldn't play because it was a lot of kids that said they wouldn't sign up if I was on one of the teams. So yeah, I would take, I would take the ball from everyone. I would score every goal. It got to a point where I would have to sit on the bench after a while. But yeah, the best, the best kids usually done that, that age. It's kind of funny actually looking back at it. All right. So fast forward
2: all right you're you're not in this part of your life where you're ready to have kids but i have a feeling your sister is is getting closer to that correct Yeah, yeah if she has a little maurice running around and he's out there schooling folks on the soccer field and they tell him that he can't play and you're in attendance how's that gonna go down man you just gonna be okay with that
1: i mean well, it's not like they kicked me out of the league in the middle of the season. It was it was returning for the next year. But um, I mean, if he was just dominating like that, I think it would probably be time to move on to something else to get my little nephew better. So
0: I mean, I know what he's talking about. When I was coaching my daughter's five and six-year-old team, Daniel had a kid named Josh, and he would score like five goals, and then I'd tell him to go play defense and tell him not to score, and he'd still score anyway. And so I was forced to bench him just like my oh, like because like I'm trying not to beat the other team 15-nothing. Like it's just I felt bad, man. They're little kids. They need, yeah, to, we- they need to do better <laughs> it well when it, when it comes to leagues like that you get the hand that you're dealt Daniel and I got dealt the right hand and the unfortunately the other coach did not so, <laughs> he, he needs to do better too
2: I, I don't know so obviously growing up playing sports at a young age you know you you end up you know where you're at now with baseball and football but um you we talked about being from Memphis and obviously we have a really close ties to the audience, Memphis um, base, but you know, we're Arkansas, we're Louisiana, we're Mississippi, we got basically the Mid-South. So, you know, for those that aren't in the Memphis area, talk to us about the high school that you went to and the experience that you had there.
1: Yeah, so um, I started going to Memphis University School in seventh grade and I went there from seventh grade to my 12th grade um, year. And um, MUS is an all boys school, college preparatory school um very good academic school, but sports also play a big role there and um, that's kind of what attracted me to go there in middle school. So um I played there my complete high school high school time and I felt like that was the best option for me in Memphis as a high school to go to just because like um some schools would had good football programs and their baseball programs weren't run the correct way, but um just playing multiple sports at a high level um MUS, kind of put me on the platform and gave me the opportunity to be able to do that the right way. So right. Um, I, I appreciate MUS a lot. Like, I still use those connections to this day. and I still work out there. I've been working out there since I moved back to Michigan. So, yep. I
2: got, a, I got a couple questions. I've always wondered this. Obviously, MUS, all-boys school, is having all boys and no girls, is that less distraction, do you think?
1: Yeah, um honestly I had fun in high school like people were like how did you do that without girls but it got to a point after like a year or two I mean yeah obviously girls are supposed to be in the classroom but it wasn't like something I was like just looking for or missing out on so yeah it kind of helped me focus but at the same time like I was having fun with my boys and at the end of the day like the girls are present or not I learned that if you have if you have having with your boys a lot of a lot of other things go right so I kind of learned how to how to do that and manage things.
0: Daniel, I might have went to college instead of the military if we didn't have girls at our school. Maybe that's what I needed.
1: <laughs> you probably did. Yeah, you needed to chill out a little bit. <laughs> it, it was. It wasn't like I never saw girls though. Um, like MUS, the we were usually pretty good. So all the good looking girls from local schools would always end up somehow at our at our games on the Friday night and our get togethers on the weekends. So.
0: Well, and we ain't going to get into it, obviously, we're going to keep this about sports, but we we ain't going to act like you ain't a big deal in the city of Memphis in high school at the time either, so. Yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me break it down to you, You
2: you're ranked as the number
0: 23 baseball player in
2: the country by perfect game, you were number 40 by prep baseball report. As a senior on the baseball field, you hit 480, 10 home runs, 41 stolen bases. You were named the Tennessee Baseball Coaches Association D2AA Mr. Baseball. You were also named the 2018 Tennessee Titans Mr. Football in Division II double, uh, AAA. You were the first player in Tennessee history to earn Mr. Football and Mr. Baseball honors in the same season, and you led your football team to a state title appearance as a senior. With eighteen hundred and thirty-five all-purpose yards, fifteen touchdowns as a receiver and a punt returner, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna be real. The girls were coming for you. It <laughs> was coming on Friday nights to see Maurice Hampton Jr. get them yards and get them touchdowns and get them stolen bases and hit four eighty with ten bombs. That's that's what they was coming to Mus for, man. So, I wanted to ask a second question: Does a prep school like MUS, does that, like, what difference does that make as opposed to, and I'm not bashing on schools, I'm just saying, what is the difference between a school like MUS and then just a public high school?
1: Yeah, so for one, um, like the things that I did in high school, I just felt like the stage that MUS put me on and the the way that they're respected throughout the whole state of Tennessee, it just kind of, solidified and verified that what I was doing was, was legit. Like um, someone could be doing that from a, a smaller, lower level public school and people are like, Oh, well, he's not playing the competition or um, he's not doing this every day. He's not doing it every day, but you couldn't, you couldn't say anything about what I was doing at MUS because of their track record and the guys that came before me. So um, I would just say, it's kind of the tradition coming from there. We've had, I'm not the first person to come through MUS that has won Mr. Football or been all American and, had accolades so it was a platform that they were used to and they put me on it pretty well yeah you you mentioned how much fun you
2: actually had you know being you know student athlete at mus you know despite it being you know um the educational rigor being there the athletic um demand that's put on you all boys school you you talked about how much fun you actually had there so clearly like getting through MUS, you're gonna have a tough decision ahead of you because I'm sure at some point you go, I'm pretty good at this baseball thing. I'm really good at this football thing. What am I gonna do? And being a dual sport athlete, especially at the high school level is hard, but when you're trying to do it at the college level, um, it's even harder. So like, you know, outside of just the college aspect, you had the MLB draft. But why I guess let's start with this. When did colleges start approaching you?
1: Yeah, um, I got my first scholarship offer when I was 12. So um University of Miami offered me in baseball when I was 12, going into the eighth grade, summer, summer between seventh to eighth grade. So um, that was my first offer, and after that they just kind of stack started to stack up in, in baseball. And then um, after my freshman season of football is when I first got some um, football offers. And then once I realized that some of my baseball offers and football offers were starting to match up as far as school goes, like I've got an offer from this school in baseball and in football, I'm like, maybe I can do both of them at the next level. So that's when, around my freshman year is when I really realized that like, you no, know, this is something I can actually do. So what is what is the
2: conversation like with college coaches, when you say, hey, college baseball coach, I also want to play football or "Hey, college uh, football coach, I actually want to play baseball too. what What is their perspective on that and how did they, were they supportive of that or are they like, hey man, it's just that we got to have you full time?
1: Yeah, so the only person that I actually was interested in that told me like, you know, this two-sport thing is, you can do it, but I'm going to need you for more time over here than I'm going to need you for another sport. Was Nick Saban was the only person that told me that he that I couldn't play two sports at that type of level. But outside of Alabama, um, everyone in the recruiting process, at least, was pretty open and receptive to me doing that. And the way recruiting worked, like football and baseball staffs aren't as familiar with, with each other as people think, and... It would be uh, like I'm on the phone with the football coach, and he would be he would notice like I, someone mentioned that you have a baseball office from here. I'm like, yes, sir. i been in a communication with the baseball staff, but it's never been both of them reaching out at the same time. It would usually be I've been in contact with this side, and I've been in contact with this side, and they would join up when I when they realized I was serious about school.
2: So had they from the jump got on a phone call, baseball coach, football coach, and they're like. Hey Maurice, this is so and so and so and so, Man, we we really want to want to make you a part of our school and our programs, we got together, we know that you could be an asset for both programs like what, what do you think would that have been something that would have been different. Out the gate or are you saying like eventually they got to the point where they were talking to you together.
1: Yeah, so eventually they definitely got to that point, like by my junior, senior year, it, I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't entertaining a conversation that didn't have both sides, both sides input on it. So, um, like, be- beginning stages of my recruitment, yeah, it was like that, but when I got serious and it was time, like, time to really have my decision in lock, it was always both staffs had to be in communication together. I got you. So, Obviously,
2: LSU comes on the radar and you end up choosing them. So what was it
1: about LSU?
2: Why LSU?
1: So LSU was always my dream school from, like, if you look at my Facebook bio from when I was eight years old, I had LSU football and baseball player in there. So, like, um, this has always been something I wanted to do. And um, they offered me in eighth grade for baseball. And after my freshman year of football, I got the football offer. And um, I committed when I was 14. So. Um, I, I actually committed to Coach Les Miles. Coach Les Miles is still the head coach at, at football, so um, that was that's been a long time ago. And it was just always my dream school. I, I wanted to go somewhere where I could um, compete at a high level in both. And I didn't see anywhere better to do that than the Rouge. For so. definitely is so, pretty, definitely isn't pretty, a little pretty little. legit, <laughs> pretty legit place to do both. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, Daniel obviously went through the MUS thing with you. And so my first question is, you know, you get to Baton Rouge, you know, you got to meet expectations in the classroom, on the football field, and on the Diamond. Did MUS prepare you for that, or were you still pretty nervous when you got down there knowing what all you had to be able to accomplish there?
1: Yeah, so MUS prepared me a lot, um, especially with on the school tip. Like, school was the – Was the easiest thing I was doing just because of what I had been through at MUS. I felt like I was taking junior year high school classes, my freshman year of college, after leaving MUS. On the school side of things, yeah, I was definitely taken care of. And then, um, football and baseball wise, I would say my biggest learning curve was probably football because, um, like my first day there, I'm guarding Justin Jefferson. I got Jamar Chase. I mean, literally everyone that lined up in front of me is playing in the NFL right now. So
0: who were they? um, <laughs> the guys who won you fantasy football.
1: <laughs> like so. even even the backups are in the NFL now. So I didn't get a break at practice, and that was something I had never um experienced before. But um, so football is probably the biggest learning curve and then baseball. Like I had played in the unnormal game, baseball, perfect game, all American game, area code, anything top-tier baseball I had done. So that wasn't that big of a jump just because I had seen the pictures and the things like this. So But I will say football is the biggest learning
0: curve. Yeah, no doubt. And one of the first things I wanted to touch on is I was going to go to football first. You know, obviously very familiar, you know, local Memphis radio. We hear them talk about you, you know, quite often as you're going through this process and you get there. And, you know, I'm excited for you to go to this LSU program that has, you know, absolutely loaded squad. And so you get there, you know, just how much did you benefit, man, as a freshman from all the veteran presence, the very guys that you're talking about you have to line up against. But, I mean, Iron sharpens iron, so I know going against the best just only helps you be better.
1: Yeah, so I mean playing behind the best. I mean, I was the backup to the Dorper War winner. Um, going against the best, I was competing against the guy that won the blend Cup and a guy that's the best receiver in the NFL right now, in my opinion, Justin and Jamar. So, um, seeing those guys every day, and then like Justin and Jamar obviously helped me, but their backups were good. Like Derek Dillon was. Justin Jefferson's and that guy's killing it in the USFL. Um, Jaray Jenkins will be in the slot. He's he's got an opportunity to get in the in the a chance with the Jaguars. Um, Racy McMath who played for the Titans. Terrence Marshall. Like if you look at our wide receiver room, everyone in there is a pro. John Trey Kirkland. So um, going against those guys and then being in the room with Grant. Um, being in the room with guys like Kerry that could teach me things. Uh, Jacoby who could teach me things. So. Um like it was the best of both worlds, like learning from guys on offense and defense. Like
0: Yeah, no that, And I think the guy who surprised me the most as you as you go to the NFL was I always thought that Justin Jefferson benefited by being in the slot of Chase or Marshall because Marshall was always underrated because of the other two. And obviously you know how big time Terrace was. And I always thought, you know, how is Jefferson going to do when he's not in the slot of those two guys? And then he just goes to Minnesota and puts up these stupid numbers. I was like, well, ne- well never mind. So, clearly, he didn't need to have those guys <laughs> alongside of him.
1: Right. Yeah, Justin's elite. Justin is elite.
0: So, you know, that first season, you get to play in 13 games. Two of them are starts. Um, you get some love in the Will style hype video. I loved the videos. And the first time I saw you in there, I was like, yeah, that's what's, that's what's up. Because those, those videos were – the best of the best, Um, you know, you're part of a national championship team, man. Reflect back on us for that, you know, first season, man. You're a freshman. You come into this elite program. Like you said, you chose this place for a reason. And, you know, dreams come true right out the gate, man. You get to be a part of, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, the best team to ever touch a college football field, man. Just, you know, reflect back on that.
1: Yeah, so reflecting back on it, man, it was really a great time, Um. I started out the season. I didn't get to play as much as I wanted to. I was coming off a wrist injury, so I had a cast on. But then once I got healthy, I started having one of the best times of my life. Really, um, got to start as a freshman in some games. Um, got a, a package towards the end of the season, to where I was playing in, in all the um, all the games. So I was having fun. We were winning, and I went to LSU to win national championship. Like people don't really understand. My family gets it, but. Man, from when I was a little kid to high school, like, I lost every championship I ever played in. Like, I lost, I lost state championships at MUS. I lost championships in my Little League team. So just finally winning the championship was just a great feeling and couldn't have been easier, honestly, going 15-0, and 0, best team ever. Just a great time and something I'll never forget. Well,
0: and I think it solidified your decision because, like I said, listening to local radio, you know, a lot of people questioned why you didn't just go pro for baseball, right? And then, you know, first thing you do is go win a national championship with a football team. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, looks like he made a pretty solid decision right out the gate and he's just getting started. So, you know, you do that. And then my question, you know, always with a dual sport athlete, obviously we've had multiple ones, but you know, are you able to participate in anything fall baseball wise or does football take 100% of the time? And if that is the case, how are you able to keep your baseball game sharp?
1: Yeah. So um, my first fall at LSU, I was actually like, um, during the season, like I said, I had a wrist injury, so I wasn't able to hit my freshman fall. And then um, my wrist actually healed up towards the middle of the football season. I was sneaking over and getting some, um, some work in, but I started to start. So, um, I made my first start against Arkansas, and Coach Maneri saw me in the cages. He was like, "Uh-uh, you can't. I can't have you in the cages in the middle of a national championship season. So you gotta wait till the season's over." But um, no, there was pretty much no fall baseball involved. It was all football. But um, vice versa as well. Once baseball came, there was no football. It was just baseball. Maneri
0: I, said, I, "I don't need Coach over my office tomorrow talking to me."
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we were ten and eleven and zero at that point. He was. He was like enjoying football season. So.
0: So you get to your first baseball season and you're able to play in 10 games and, you know, obviously COVID, you know, we've talked about it with so many players. It just, I mean, it crushed everything obviously seemed like, you know, things were starting off well for you, you know, so I'm not going to talk about COVID itself, but I just want to talk about, you know, with 10 games, with LSU, just kind of getting your your foot in the door. What were you able to just learn in such a short span uh, in that time?
1: Um. So, my freshman year, if I can say I learned anything, um, I kind of learned how to live. Honestly, like the sports part was easy. Like, um, I kept doing the same things I had been doing from high school, just enhanced it. Um, had better facilities and trainers and things like that, obviously. But as a person, um, I grew a lot in Baton Rouge. Just finally being on my own, um, not having to not having parents to come home to every day. So um, I learned a lot about myself and just how to live and um how to take care of myself. So. I would say my freshman year, more than anything, I kind of grew up as a person more than I would say athletically. I was doing the same things I was doing in high school, just on a bigger stage as far as athletically goes.
0: Yeah, and that's an undervalued thing and and very important, obviously. I mean, you're setting yourself up for the rest of your life by building that character, so that's what's up. And so you get to the the next year, 2021 year of football, you play in eight of the ten games, you start in five, you have 27 tackles. Obviously the team we know lost a ton of talent to the draft. Um, the very guys you were talking about. And so, you know, a lot of rebuilding, but you know, a lot of valuable playing time, obviously against just SEC opponents. So, I mean, what was that like actually being out on the field, you know, almost every game going against the SEC every single game?
1: Yeah, so um cover year was fun, man, but um it was just a lot of things that a lot of different people were dealing with. And me personally, um I think I got quarantined twice during the season. I actually got COVID once. That's why I only played in eight of the 10 games. So I figured
0: I, I figured that might have been why, because I didn't see any injuries listed.
1: Yeah, So, but um, I actually did have an injury. I dislocated my pinky during camp, so um, that was a surgery I had to deal with after the season, so I was dealing with that as well. I'm playing with three fingers on one of my hands, basically. <laughs> um, COVID was just up and down. I actually had a small injury against South Carolina too that kind of hindered me against South Carolina and Auburn so um I was probably at 100% for five of those five of those eight games I played in and man we learned a new so it was just it was a good learning curve um as far as a football player but definitely a big difference from the 2019 season to the covid year just as far as organization goes and no crowds and new teammates that we didn't really get to jail together because we were all separated. We couldn't be together because of COVID, you know, so.
0: Right. The, the one thing I did like, though, man, is the way y'all finished the season with those final two games, right, is is y'all three and five, everything just, you know, everything looks in shambles. And, you know, you you show character as a team. Um, you come together and you find a way to win those final two games and finish strong. You know, most people could just hang it up, but LSU didn't. Right. So, obviously, you know, getting into the baseball 2021, you you play a reserve outfield role. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, obviously, since there isn't much baseball to talk on, um, I'm going to let, you know, Daniel talk to you about Sanford. But, you know, you see the posters behind me. Like, I was just in Omaha with those boys. We, we've we had just about that whole baseball team on, and you were teammates with more than half of them, you know, whether it's Bloso, Dugas, Morgan, Cruz, you know, whoever. You man, know, how excited, you know, were you – to watch those guys, you know, the very guys that you were grinding out there on the diamond with, be able to get a national championship this year?
1: Yeah, I was really happy for those guys, especially um, Cade, Beloso, uh, Gavin, Dugas. Those are my guys. I was with them for two years. And, man, you you just – some guys come to LSU to get drafted, obviously, and take their career to another level. But, like, guys like Cade and Gavin, they go to LSU to win a national championship. So – um just to see those those type of guys and obviously the type of season and career Dylan had, man, it was just it was great to see them because I know they're grinding just the way I am. Like they put in the hours just like everybody else. And um mm-hmm. it was great to see that pay off for them. So well
2: the transfer portal, um, it's obviously, you know, making waves every every year so far. Um and you are, you know thinking, you know, at this point, you know, that that season's over. Now you're looking, how does the transfer portal or did you know the transfer portal was something you were going to hit prior to the season ending or did something happen, um, at the end of the season where you're like, all right, I think, I think it's time for me to, to, to move on.
1: Yeah. So, um, I actually entered the transfer portal in March, but like I said, the year before the after football season, I had to have surgery on my hand, and um, it really kind of held me back to get into baseball season. I was able to do any of the preseason baseball, and um, I had a conversation with Coach Maneri just you know, was what, my opportunity going to be going to come this season to play? And um, baseball is very important to me, and um, you know, my defensive coordinator at football had left, Coach Aranda. That was a guy that I it was a big big reason in me coming to LSU. So. Um, he departed, and I wasn't really – not that I wasn't happy, but I, my role in football was not what I signed up for in the new defense. So um, as far as the football aspect goes, I was kind of playing out of position. And then um, baseball goes, I was injured and wasn't going to get an opportunity to play that season. So um, I just felt through the times of COVID and all the other craziness in the world, it was time for a move just to um, be able to focus on one thing and focus on myself again and get back healthy. So. And that's what it was so you kind of shift your focus to
2: baseball and you end up choosing sanford to play um what was it about sanford where you're like all right you know i'm gonna rejuvenate myself i'm gonna kind of reinvent myself so to speak at a new place so why sanford
1: so um, i had options coming out of the transfer court i had a lot of options honestly but um My limited at-bats in the two years and the injuries that I had on the baseball field kind of scared some schools away. So um, I was limited once I told schools that I wasn't playing football. You know, when I tell them I'm playing football, they get a free baseball player. So they're very excited to be able to have someone like me for free. But when it comes to me just being a baseball player, they're going to have to offer me a portion of the the 11 scholarships that they get. So um, Sanford was the best fit for me just because I knew that, one, I'll be playing every day. I would have to worry about um, getting at-bats, which was my biggest thing. I just needed to get at-bats made up for the two seasons that I had missed. So I'm um, playing every day. And then their schedule was not – it wasn't like I was going to a mid-major school that played a mid-major schedule. Like, we had 12 SEC games. We had a weekend series with Florida State. So um, there, Sanford's been a program that's gotten guys drafted every year. So it wasn't like I was going to a slouch school. They're a good baseball school. And I honestly just wanted to take some pressure off myself, like, I had been the guy that was a first-round draft pick out of high school, turned down a lot of money, won a national championship, and everybody just wanted wanted to see what I'm going to do next. And um, just focusing on one thing at a smaller place, I felt was the best move for me. And um, Some people may think it didn't work out, but I learned a lot about myself. Um, Injuries may have held me back from getting to the next level like I wanted to, but um, I learned a lot. And I think that's just a part of my journey that is gonna be needed to just for me to see things and know things that I know now that I didn't know prior to doing and experience what I did there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it on the head. Your time at, at Sanford it wasn't for nothing. Like you played in 54 games, you had 48 starts, you had 43 hits, you hit 253, led the team in stolen bases. You slugged for 477, hit nine home runs, four doubles, one triple. So clearly there was success um, there. Um, so kind of recap the season, you know, and how it kind of got you back on track. Cause you did mention there were some injuries, but that season, good, average, bad, whatever you felt of it, what was special about that season where you were like, man, now like I, I, I kind of got myself back. I saw a lot of bats, I played in a lot of games. I feel better about myself
1: yeah so um the normal person from the outside looking in would have expected me to go in and hit 400 and hit 20 home runs and still 40 bases and get drafted high out of Sanford my first year but in all reality I hadn't played baseball in two years like I played had 10 starts my freshman year and COVID came and I had four bats the next year so um between like 50 at bats in two years, it's kind of hard to just step in the batter's box and be an elite baseball player, no matter how talented you are. So um, I wasn't happy with my results my first year, but I was happy with the process I put myself through. Um, I was I was happy with the amount, of, the amount of time I had to spend on the baseball field and just develop as a baseball player. But the results are not the results that I wrote down on my goal sheet before the season like I, I have before. So, um, like I said, I learned a lot, but... It was a it was a learning curve, you know, I've always gotten everything that I've, I've wanted in life, you know, as far as goals go. And um, I fell short in some areas my first year at Sanford. So um, it just motivated me, humbled me and it helped me get back on track from where I had been. So.
2: It's, it's clear you could tell you, you were starting to get back on track. I mean, you even had a home run um, and a grand slam against Mississippi State, who were the defending national champions. And you guys actually won that game as well. Um, you know, you mentioned it, and I kind of want to go there. In 2023, there was a limited season. Was that due to
1: um, injury? What what was going on there? Yeah, so um, I fractured my hand in the fourth game of the season against Southeastern Louisiana. I actually, um, hurt my ankle in the same game. A really bad high ankle sprain. Um, sliding into a base. So um, I banged myself up in, within three innings um, in the fourth game of the season, that was the end of my season after that. So um, once the school year was over, I came back home and rehabbed and got back to full health and entered the transport portal once it opened, um, knowing what I wanted to do next. But yeah, this season for, at Sanford, as far as baseball goes, um, I had put a lot of work into it. Like um, it was... It was I was thinking it was going to go great. Um, I was ready for it. And then just that one night at him, in Louisiana, kind of put an end to it with the injuries. But. So you you mentioned all right, you're entering the portal again and you
2: don't really know where you're going to go. So how do you end up back at home at Memphis?
1: Yeah, so Memphis was actually the first school to hit me up out of the portal. And um, I had mentioned to my high school football coach that I wanted to play football again and um, he let the guys know and they reached out to me as soon as I entered the portal and it was kind of a no-brainer just the football and baseball complexes being so close to each other, the resources I have in Memphis, Um, my family here in Memphis, my grandmother hasn't seen me play since high school and she's a mile away from the Liberty Bowl so I'm excited for that but yeah it was a no-brainer to come back home um, and try to do two sports again. Um, and kind of just get back to my routine I had in high school. Like I, not to say I had it completely figured out, but I just had the resources I need needed at home. So um, put those back to use and try this two sport thing again. I got you. So
2: I want to because baseball is 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 secondary right now. We're getting into football. I want to I want to kind of talk about that. Um, you know. Coach Jackson, Carrick Jackson leaves Memphis, but clearly he did some things to rejuvenate the program Um, on top of the the field and the park itself is beautiful. It's amazing. Um, As you are at Memphis, your focus right now is on football, but also in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking about some baseball too. What do you think the expectations are with the new coach Given the success that they started building last year with the program, what are the expectations for Memphis baseball this coming up season?
1: Yeah, so um, I've never been a new head coach before, but I played for one my my um, first year at Stanford. My head coach was in his first year as a head coach. So I kind of know the pressures and the expectations as a head coach and some head coaches are kind of scared to make changes or put their foot down in their first year to kind of just go and um, allow the program to run itself and, and see exactly what they got themselves into. But um, Coach Riser, the new head coach at Memphis, does not give me that vibe at all. Um, I think he's ready to hit the ground running. Um, he knows what he wants to do. And I think that I know the solid play that he played at Southeastern. Um, at like like I said, I actually got injured in the game. The game I got injured in at Sanford this year was against his school and. On um, the style of play that they play in southeastern, um, I think the roster kind of fits that here in Memphis. So, um, I think they're the, the coaching staff for sure is definitely ready to hit the ground running, and um, they got the players intact and guys that do the right style of play for coach. So, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's gonna gonna do great, and um, it won't be a, a normal. He doesn't give me first year head coach. I'm gonna sit back and, and see how this thing unfolds. Bob, he's he's giving me he's ready to come in, hit the ground running, and, and make this thing work, so. Nice. So,
2: obviously, we got to talk football. Football, you guys are probably tired of, you know, talking about it. You're ready to be about it. And we you got, like, five or six weeks until you actually get on the field and, and, and get to play somebody other than yourself. Um, you know, Jim says, and I quote, Memphis is going through a rough patch that's clearly not the words that I want to use. Um, I will say that we went
0: from winning nine to 10 games, my friend, it's not a
2: rough patch, rough patches. When you're not making bowl games, like and you're, you're struggling. That's, that's not where they're at. Um, you have a new head coach come in. You're clearly moving in the right direction. All accounts from what's being said and what's being told. Um, it's, you know, one of the places, and you, and you know this growing up, Mo, like, Memphis is a place that they are very passionate people, and they just want to win, and when you're used to winning at a certain level, they think it's just easy, and they think that becomes the, the way of life, and at Memphis, it's a little bit harder to do those things than at some other schools, but I guess what I'm wanting to get to is obviously we know the guys, you know, we've heard the names. We've got, you know, Seth Hennigan coming back as quarterback. You got guys like rock Taylor, Joe Skates coming back. You got a new defensive coordinator, coach Barnes. Um, So let's start there. New defensive coordinator. You're new to the program. How is this scheme and this defense, um,
1: how do you fit into it? Yeah, so um, I think what attracted um, Memphis and what made the decision so easy to take a DB that hasn't played football in two years onto their roster is the defensive coach Barnes is playing. Those concepts are very similar to what I ran my freshman year LSU with Coach Aranda. Like, um, it's been very easy um, getting into the playbook and learning everything, so... Um, Coach Barnes, he's he's very attention to detail. He's very enthusiastic about everything, and um, I play for some good defensive coordinators. And just from sitting in the meeting room, being on the field with him a little bit so far, um, he definitely knows what he's talking about, and he knows what he's doing. He came from Ohio State with with guys that were super talented, so I know he he knows what it looks like. So um, I'm all ears to him. And, I'm looking forward to starting camp. You, you see people, coaches real characters and players real characters about two weeks into camp. So I'm looking forward to seeing everything unfold in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, the guys that we've had, you know, Seth Hennigan, uh, we've had Brady White, we've had numerous guys come on, and that's exactly, they say the same thing there. You know what you're made of about a week before the season starts when you're ready to hit someone else but you can't yet. And you've gone through battle for weeks at a time, the summer sessions, the brutal heat. Um, so it, it looks like you guys are getting to the point where you're ready to to, to really get after it. Um, you know, with that being said, I gotta ask who are some people besides yourself? Who are some people where when, when I tune in on Saturdays or the occasional Friday night game that you got,
1: who am I gonna be impressed by? Um, who would you be impressed by?
0: Defensively, so, like guys we might not know.
1: Some guys you might not know. So we got a transfer. Um, his name's Tyron. He's from um University of Colorado. He's a corner. Um, I've seen I some pretty good corners, and this guy can play. Just from the, what we've seen so far, um, I, I think he's gonna be good, a good piece. Um. They've got a guy in the slot by the name of Demir. Um, He's where he wears number zero. Um, Just from what I've seen so far, um, he's got it. I've seen some good slot receivers, and I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson, but he can run some routes. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll do. Um, And then just the defensive front, we got Carmonte Hamilton, um, Jalen up there, big guys that can rush the passer. So I think we got a, a really good complete team when it comes to speed and guys up front. So, um, I re- you really never know. So, I, I won't really know exactly who's who until we get those pads on. And like I said, we're in the heat for a couple of days. But um, just from what I've seen so far, um, we got some pretty good guys that I think will make an impact.
0: Man, Daniel, I wish we had Quindell one more year, man. That Can't pass him. Pass um, <laughs> just a ram now, just a ram.
2: My last question, and... I kind of wonder about this, you know, obviously the, the conference itself is different. Um, you've got some new teams enter, you got some teams that are leaving. Do the coaches make a big deal about the conference that you play in or do they just say, we just got to go out and win games?
1: Yeah, honestly, I haven't heard anything about the conference. If I looked at this schedule, like, I know some American teams, but I won't be able to point out, hey, this is the conference game, this is the conference game. They're treating all of it the same, like, um, just getting ready to play football so um, yeah conference is always a big deal like we, in the weight room we got the conference championship and all that type of stuff but right now I think we're just taking it one game at a time
0: yeah no doubt I mean that's the way to look at it and you know Mem- Memphis I, I look forward to them every year I always you know obviously I'm an LSU fan but I go to plenty of Memphis games it's still the my second team and um, you know, I look for them to win every game in conference or out of conference, um, you know, uh elite level talent such as yourself and the guys you name. So uh we're we're really excited. And just on a side note, I happened to be texting uh Rodney Beloso when we was doing this and I told him uh that you you had talked about Cade and everything. And he said he wishes you the best of luck. He said you got all the tools. So big things yes. hope
2: coming from the Belosos. Tool. Every tool
0: in the box you got.
1: <laughs> but you but with that, those things to use. Shout out uh, to the Hot Rod Creole seasoning down there in Baton Rouge.
0: Oh, yeah. We I, actually, when we get to this, this or that, just wait. First question out the gate is going to touch on that. So we're going to play a game called This or That. I give you two options. Um, you can't say neither. You can't say both. You got to choose one of them. You ready to play? Let's do it. All right. So right out the gate, here we go. Better food, Memphis or Baton Rouge, since you just brought it up.
1: Baton Rouge or Memphis, you said? Yeah. Memphis. Sorry, Baton Rouge. You got to go to Memphis. All
0: right. What's your favorite spot to eat in Memphis?
1: Ooh. Mm. Just one spot. I couldn't even disrespect so many spots like that. But let me think. Uh, If I'm going to one place in Memphis. Man. I'm just this crazy. Oh, that,
0: that that's just a shout-out to Memphis, Daniel. I mean, there's so many spots he don't want to yeah, I can't even I can't even choose
1: one. That would just be disrespectful to the number two and number three,
0: number four. I'll tell you what I've been thinking about with Baton Rouge because it came up in a conversation today, Mo. And I you had to have had them, um you know, blues uh triplets chicken uh wings. We call them crack wings because you can't eat like Two, three, or four. You eat like ten to twenty. Like you just can't stop. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes, sir. We get those uh, right on the backside of LSU, off of um, right behind Canes over there. Blue Street Chicken is what it's called. Blue something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. There's
0: one right by campus. Like I said, there's I think there's four locations altogether. together. I tell people I said I don't go to Baton Rouge without getting some of them wings.
2: It ain't no wing guru though.
0: Ah, uh, it's better, man. It's better. Now I ain't gonna do that to Billy Richmond But all right, moving on. If you were left on an island with either no one or your worst enemy, which one are you choosing?
1: I'd rather be by myself. <laughs> That's how <what> Daniel
0: <laughs> is, too. But man, I just I'd rather argue with somebody. I go in, go in and bring it, I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, you a plan ahead person or are you a live in the moment guy?
1: I'm big on living the moment.
0: No doubt. All right, would you rather own a massive yacht or a private jet? Private jet, man. No hesitation,
1: man. I'm, I'm (laughs) taking the yacht.
0: Daniel's taking the jet. I
1: just need the jet. All I need is a pilot and 15 seats. (laughs) I don't even need 15. I need like
0: three. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Would you rather spend an hour in a walk-in freezer or two hours in a sauna? Ooh,
1: the hour in a walk-in freezer.
0: You don't like that? Man, you you in the middle of going through that Memphis heat. You, you don't like you the heat them, that was? <laughs> wait
1: till you throw them pads on. You Man, I'm going to be wishing for a freezing. Well, that,
0: Daniel, I was driving by the high school the other day. My daughter was complaining about running in the heat, and I seen them boys out there fully padded up, and I was like, I ain't trying to hear that mess. Y'all out there playing soccer with no pads on. These dudes fully geared up. I ain't hearing it. Tell you something, though. Let,
2: let me tell y'all awesome. The rules way different now than when we were in high school there were no murdered no he could be out there for four hours during two days just beating the crap out of each other just basically just
0: dying we wouldn't have had to do bull in the ring none of that huh it, oh it was awful we also had a terrible coach who just treated us terribly, man. It was it it was rough. We we you know, we both go to therapy about it. We got you know, talk about what our coach yes. did to us.
2: I <laughs> wasn't treated terribly, but practice wasn't fun.
1: I will say that. Hey, going back to my one spot, I, I thought of it. I'm going to smackers. They got a little bit of everything.
0: There we go. Shout out to Smackers. We're doing a little plug right there. Yeah, All shout right. out to Smackers.
1: My- I got smacking.
0: All right, I got an LSU question for you. Who wore it better, the number seven, Patrick Peterson or Tyron Matthew? I'm
1: gonna have to go with the Honey Badger. He's the reason I wore 14 at LSU, so um, I think he rocked that seven. Pat Pete was the the creator, but the Honey Badger put the stamp on it for sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt. There's a uh, really no wrong answer. I got I got both their jerseys on my sidewall. You can see the one in the corner right there. That's that's Honey Badgers. All right, man. This is this might be the hardest question. The last question is usually the hardest one, but I'm setting you up with the second last one. What do you love more, baseball or football? Now, what are you better at? What do you love more? So
1: I'm in love with both. And neither one of them
0: know, know about each other. You know, he just broke the rule with both words. I said, You can't say neither or both. And he said both words, Daniel. Either and both. No. I, we, we've had people break the rules, but never use both of them. <laughs> All so, right, I'll,
2: I'll answer it for him. It's football right now, but then in baseball season, it'll be baseball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to let him slide because he's a Memphis guy. I see you, Daniel. Because you wouldn't let any other guest slide with that. That's that's a but that's that's a rough question to ask. It's like okay. asking you act pretty, like you ain't asked it before.
2: It's like asking which kid do you love the most.
0: I'm so, glad you brought that up because people who say they don't like one of their kids more than the other are liars. And Randy, if he's here, <laughs> our third host, Mo, he got four kids and he always tells us he won't tell us who it is because he ain't trying to get in trouble on air. But he got a favorite of the four. I got a favorite of my two. Look, people who say they don't got a favorite kid, they lying.
1: Well, listen, I'll put it this way. Look, I'm married to baseball, but football is my girlfriend. And not because I like either one of them better, but the way that baseball works, you have to be married to it to be any good good at it. You can can be a pretty good athlete and be decent at football. So I will say I'm married to baseball, and football is my girlfriend.
0: I like it. I like it. All right, last one. The money question literally tells us a lot about your character. We're going to finish on this. You can either win a million dollars but the caveat is you have to spend it on anybody but you. Or you can win a hundred thousand dollars and you get to spend it all on yourself. What you doing?
1: I'm getting a million dollars and taking care of my family, man.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Good, good character question right there. I'm gonna tell you right now though, no different than I would do a lot of the other things opposite of you. Like I'm doing the sauna and you doing the freezer, I'm taking the yacht, I'm also taking the hundred grand. Everybody, else, <laughs> <going> on, huh? <laughs> all, right. all
1: right, all right,
2: Maurice. Man, it's been a pleasure. Anything you want to plug or promote before we let you
1: bounce? Um, nothing I want to plug or promote. I don't think. Let me think. Uh, you said you can edit this, huh? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, let me think. Oh, so I got um. Uh, I got a website dropping at the beginning of um, August called Hampson.com. I'm gonna have a lot of merchandise and some businesses that I'm working with on there. And um, maybe we can plug this podcast in uh, a live link or something so guys can check it out and promote the um, the podcast too. But I'm having a website drop at the beginning of the next month, so um, if y'all can plug that in Hampson.com, I think it'll be pretty cool.
0: That's what's up, and then it was the was the church health nine hundred one. Is that is that already gone by?
1: Um, so that's going to be on the 25th. So um that's helping cool. yep, yeah, helping local um the local community with um health tips, everything, um taking donations. Um I think there's a GoFundMe set up and everything, but that link's on my Instagram, um, Mari's period underscore so you can check that out um and get back to the local Memphis community um through the 901 fund. So been working with them on um, helping in the community, so that's another thing we got coming up tomorrow. Man you do it all, Mo. You got it all going on, man. I'll just
2: reiterate some of these things. If you want to know what Maurice is up to on a Monday night, maybe he's recording a podcast. By the way, Maurice has a blue check mark on, on IG. You know what that means, Jim?
0: He's verified.
2: That means people care about him. Well, people don't
0: care about
2: me, and I, I got a blue check mark. I care. <laughs> So go to Instagram maurice.underscore check him out see what he's up to you can also there's a link in the bio for the 901 fun 825 got an event going on also. i'm a i'm a Leo my birthdays in August you're dropping your website in August, it seems like it's it's meant to be i'm going to head over to mauricehampton.com i'm going to pick up some stuff because I want to support not only my boy Maurice but the Tiger football team, everything that you that you represent. I'm about Maurice, man. And we appreciate you for joining us. And if there's anything we can do, man, just reach out to us. Love to
1: help you out along the way. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys too.
2: Yeah, you got it. That's Maurice Hampton Jr. And everybody if you like hearing Maurice's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's. Please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, hugs, loves, hearts, likes, all of it. We'll take it all, and we'll definitely see everybody in a couple nights. we got episode six dropping. We're going to be switching gears. We're going to be talking about volleyball, not just any volleyball. We're talking about Starkville. We're going to Mississippi State, where we're going to be talking to Becca Walk. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember: strong body, sharp mind, grit, and grind all the time. We're out.